Welcome to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast, where we discuss all things human design and how it can support you and your spiritual journey. This is not a one-size-fits-all podcast. We are here to inspire awareness about how we are all different and help you answer the questions of who am I? What am I here to do? How am I here to do it? You can thrive and live the life of your dreams just by having awareness of your true self. So dive deep with us, get inspired, and start living your life on purpose. Hello, and welcome back to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast with your host, Dana and Shayna. Today, we are recording an episode all about parenting and reparenting yourself. And as you all know, this is one of our favorite uses of human design, is really being able to empower the next generation to raise them with awareness of their uniqueness, of their authenticity, of what's in alignment for them, and to limit that conditioning. We just believe that this is such a powerful and exciting use of human design. So we wanted to dedicate a new episode to just talking about parenting. We took some of your questions from Instagram about parenting that we'll answer, and we're super excited to talk about this topic. But before we do, we just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who entered the giveaway for the online human design reader training. We absolutely loved reading your podcast reviews and connecting with our podcast community in that way. We feel so deep connected to everyone who tunes in. It's like mind-blowing to us how connected we are, how much we're riding the same frequencies, how much we think of the same things. So getting to hear your words about your experience learning with us and being on this journey with us was so deeply moving. So thank you so much. Like some of them, we were weeping, you know, like yeah. huge crocodile tears, just so full of love. So crocodile thank you. tears. Yeah, that's I'm pretty sure. I think crocodile tears are when it's fake. Like oh, I was you're thinking crying like, a crocodile tear. I was thinking a crocodile tear, like dramatically crying of like huge tears streaming down your face. Oh, like a crocodile tear is like a large tear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I think it's like crocodiles don't cry. So if it's a tear, it's like water on their face. So okay, this it's needs not a Google. real. I think that that's what it. I mean, I don't know if that's what it means. I definitely know that crocodile tears mean that they're fake tears. So oh. we were not crying crocodile tears. We were crying legit ass tears. Yeah, and dolphin um, tears. Okay, I don't think that. <laughs> Do dolphins cry? I don't know. We need to look that up. Yeah. Um, do any water animals cry? I always okay. want to say, we'll Google it and put it in the show notes, but we won't. We won't. <laughs> but we encourage you, if you feel inspired by this conversation, um, to Google it yourself. Um, so we were crying legit tears. Absolutely. <laughs> and even like last night, I was reading... Um, some of the the later ones that came in and I just honestly am blown away by how connected we all are by how just this community that has been created from this podcast truly is so just real and raw and authentic and I just feel so unbelievably honored to get to hear from you yeah truly um, so thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your journey with us. We are just just beyond grateful. 
Yes. And our online human design reader training course is going to be launching soon as this podcast coming is coming out. Um, it's launching on 4-4. So we are just so excited to continue that community of people who are down for this journey, who are wanting to understand this wisdom and utilize this wisdom and spread it in the world. It is our greatest joy to be connected to you all who are just as in love with human design as we are. Um, it's really just like so exciting to get to see the world changing as we create this community and share our stories and come together and kind of gather together around this wisdom. So we're super excited for that course launching. Yes. So the course is open. By the time that you're hearing this, the doors are open. You can um, read more about it, watch our video, um, whatever. Go to our website and that's daylunalife.com. You can click on become a reader and it has all of the different highlights of all the um, basically goodies that you're going to get in this course. Not only are you going to get the full online training with all of our videos and lectures, but you'll also get meditations and deconditioning exercises and prompts. You're also going to get um, access to these quarterly mentoring Zoom meetings that we're going to have every three months. And that's for anyone who signs up before May 4th. We're going to meet every few months to discuss any questions that you have in starting your business, in working with clients, in understanding the system. So we're really excited for that. Um, there's also an online human design reader community that you'll have exclusive access to where you can connect with other readers. Maybe you want to collaborate on something um, or ask your questions or answer questions, there is just a whole space for you to connect with other people. So there's a lot packed into this training and we really wanted to um, just juice it up with as much as we possibly could because human design is here to change the world and it's changed our lives. It's changed, I know everybody's listening lives. Um, so we're just really excited. So if you want to check that out, you can go to our website. Once again, daylunalife.com, click on become a reader and read everything there. So we're excited to see you in there. But in this episode, we are talking about parenting, reparenting. Like Dana said, we're super passionate about this topic and it feels really timely because we, um, I don't know. I feel like from two episodes ago where I was talking about being fertile and like giving birth and <laughs> connecting with um, Your womb. So, my womb, my womb. Um, so many people reached out saying, oh my gosh, Shana, I feel intuitively right when you said that, um, that you're going to be pregnant soon, that you're going to be pregnant soon. Like I honestly, like 10 people reached out saying that. And I was like, okay. Um, who knows? But also Dana's looking at me like, oh shit. Um, <laughs> scary. But also I'm so excited to be a parent and we know that we don't know. So we are dog parents right now and mm -hmm. we're already helicopter moms about yes. things. So yep. I'm, but I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I think. Yeah. Who knows? And you know, yeah, being a dog mom, like I had to take my dog to the vet this morning and I was like a nervous wreck. And, you know, it's just so funny to um, how often we get to meet with parents and, you know, share this information. But really, that is our biggest inspiration is getting to meet parents who are actually using human design. Like we admire you all and are so inspired by you all and hearing your stories of 
um, how your kids respond and how helpful it is. Like it is really just so impactful for us. And we love getting to learn from the parents that we're doing readings with of just like how that lived experience actually plays out in their family. And so um, we're just really excited to share all of, you know, talk about your questions that you had, the parents that we've connected with and answer them. And also this topic of reparenting has been coming in because um, I feel like everything that I do in my life, like every adventure I go on or every new experience I have is always turns into a case study on human design for me. Like I just can't (laughs) help but see everything through this lens of human design and through understanding people and myself and my energy through this lens of human design, I'm always kind of like observing things and studying things and seeing how all of this wisdom plays out in real life so that I can learn for myself and to also be able to teach. And um, so Jared, my husband and I, we've been getting really into snowboarding again, which is something that I grew up doing with my family when I was a kid. My parents taught me to ski and snowboard, you know, starting from when I was a toddler. And it's so funny because as a kid, I had kind of a weird relationship with snowboarding because I was the only one of my four siblings that was a projector. Everyone else was a generator or a man gen. So all of us siblings would be out skiing together, snowboarding together. And I would always be the first one that was tired. I would always be the one that like, if we went two days, the third day, I was just over it and I needed a break. And I also was the youngest out of my, my siblings. And I got so much shit for being lazy, for being a baby. And I had such a huge chip on my shoulder about it because I was like, I'm tired. How can we have to do this if I don't want to? And, you know, a lot of my childhood, all of our family like trips were around skiing and snowboarding. And it was always kind of a bittersweet experience for me because I always felt like I had to hide when I was tired. I had to like suck it up and not be a baby. I felt really like judged and unseen. And so even though there were moments of it where I really was enjoying myself, there was also so many moments where I just felt kind of like left out and misunderstood. And like there was kind of a lot of conditioning that happened for me in this zone. So, you know, fast forward all these years later, um, you know, my husband and I going snowboarding together and having so much fun and literally like flying down the mountain. We talk about this all the time, Shane and I, when you're riding a bike and you're just like the winds in your face and you're literally effortlessly just gliding or flying like that feeling of freedom and feeling so alive. Like that same feeling really happens for me when I'm snowboarding and these beautiful mountains just soaring, you know, effortlessly down the snowy mountain. So it's interesting to be reparenting myself while I'm getting back in into skiing, back into snowboarding and uncovering the kind of layers of my childhood memory and the attachments of like, what conditionings did I have here? What wounds do I have here around being lazy, needing to keep up, not being the same as everyone else. And also on the other hand, like not wanting to be left out just because I don't want to um, participate for as long as everyone else does. So in this trip with my husband, you know, him being a manifesting generator, I was getting down. Like I was tickling my of like how I got to exercise supporting myself versus him as a man gen, you know, riding off of his fumes and being excited together and getting to explore an adventure. And I am an energy projector. I have a defined root and a defined solar plexus. So it's really important for me to be able to use up that creative energy and to do things. And I'm someone who really is driven to have new experiences and new adventures and explorations. But 
I definitely 100% notice when I'm done now. And I have this awareness of like, okay, my body's telling me I've used up this energy. I've had so much fun and now I'm done. And there still is like this FOMO that kicks in of like, Jared's going to keep skiing for a couple of hours. And like, am I really allowed to just go in the car and pick him up later? Like, is that really okay? Or like, will I judge myself? Will he judge me? Will people around me judge me? And just being able to have this permission to reparent myself and to give myself what I always needed as a child to say, okay, you've done it. You're done. Listen to your body. Go take a break. We'll meet later. And how doing different things, even when you're on the same adventure together, it actually creates this beautiful harmony where I get to go do something else and come pick him up later. And I get to enjoy myself the entire time instead of pushing myself to behave in a way that it's not really right for me and that my body is not really wanting to naturally do. So I was just having so many like pings and downloads and finding tips and ways for myself to navigate that experience so that it was real for me, so that it was genuine for me, that I could go snowboarding on this trip and have an amazing time, but do it my own way. And to allow my husband to do his man gen thing and to do extra runs and to wake up earlier than me and for us to just meet together. So the whole experience, I feel like of being able to navigate with this like human design lens was so healing for me. And I just feel like a weight is like lifted off of the memories of, of feeling like all of this pressure to prove myself, all this pressure to hide what I was really feeling, et cetera. I literally feel it lifted just by going back to that experience and navigating it in a way that was that is aligned for me and really being there to be my own mother, to, to nurture myself, to give myself and to listen to myself with what I'm really needing. Mm, wow. It's so it's so crazy how it's, you know, I don't want to say this. It's a small place, mm -hmm. but it, it kind it of is, is yeah. in that you just gave yourself permission to be done when you're done I and know. how much we judge ourselves, how much pressure we put on ourselves of is that OK? And can I do that? And yeah. um, that conditioning um I love this example because mm -hmm. it really is so true. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I know. And the awareness shift is so simple. It's so easy. It's just the difference between being okay with something and not being okay with something, right? It's like yeah. the same thing is happening. I'm tired and I want to quit, but either you're not okay with it or you are. That acceptance of those two different things equals love for yourself. Yeah. And so it's this profound shift that literally happens with awareness. It literally happens with giving yourself permission, but it can transform your daily lived experience. And it's just so interesting how like these little places in your life, how it could have been so much simpler. There could have been this level of awareness and acceptance that could have made things so much easier, but there wasn't. Um, but then you have this opportunity to make that shift so easily, like simply yeah. with that awareness as an adult. Yeah. It's so interesting as you're talking, um, you know, w one place of conditioning that is coming up for me um, in hearing your story, and it's kind of like a light bulb moment for me, you know, when, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way at all, but whenever I hear people talking about growing up snowboarding and skiing and things like that, the first thing that has always popped in my head my whole life is, oh, well, you must be really privileged. Like to grow up, the people who grow up snowboarding and skiing are the people that, you know, 
like must be nice to grow up snowboarding and skiing as a family like the ski lift tickets and it's so expensive and all the equipment and all the gear and to go on a trip and stay in a place like you know that just was something that was so out of the cards for me um as a kid and i never i never learned to ski i never learned to snowboard so now even as an adult whenever we go on trips um and everybody's snowboarding and skiing i stay in in the the hotel or at the lodge like i just don't really enjoy um i don't know it's painful and i'm tired and exhausted and i can't keep up with everybody else and so i'm always like i'm gonna be in the spa you guys have a good time and i really enjoy that actually but um the light bulb moment for me is in my resistance to privilege and Mm. in my um judgment of privilege of privilege being something that is like on the undertone of that is privilege being something that is bad Mm -hmm. and um something that should be judged or compared and of course i think that it's beneficial to have awareness of privilege um but in my own life like where is this judgment and this resistance um holding me back from being privileged and abundant in my own life like i want to manifest abundance i want to manifest success right we all do um but yet i do have this energetic conditioning that when i hear of something um that I and then I perceive it as being privileged. It is this energetic frequency of privilege is bad, mm-hmm. and and that's a place that I just I guess I hadn't realized until just now that I have conditioning that I've been holding on and I'm holding myself back in in that way um, energetically. Whereas I think the healthier way is to say like like yeah that is privilege and like how nice how what a great um childhood and yet still there's place for conditioning and Mm -hmm. for me with my own kids like i want them to have every opportunity just like your parents wanted you to have every opportunity by by taking your family on those trips right like i want to take my kids on those trips i want my kids to be privileged um but also this is such a great place to realize that it doesn't matter what opportunities you're giving your kids. There's always room for conditioning. There's always Absolutely. room for um, for kind of forcing your kids into a box and having them feel unheard, unseen, un, like they can't trust themselves or they have to compare themselves. And so it really isn't about privilege or not. It's, it's about, you know, um, seeing your kids for who they are and their inherent value. Um, and, and trying to not condition them as much Mm -hmm. as you possibly can. I mean, of course, there's always going to be conditioning that comes in. Um, but how can you as a parent, uh, hold space for your kids? Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. I feel like that was, um, now I'm going to be observing that in, in my life, how many times that energetic tension comes up in my body. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's been a big theme for me over the last few months, and I mentioned it, I think every episode that we've recorded this year is that inner noticing that energetic tightness in my body yeah. and massaging it out and, mm-hmm. and really looking at it and seeing, because I, I feel like that conditioning um, that pops up, it feel, I can notice it now in my body. Yeah. So, so poignantly, like it's so clear. And then I immediately feel like, okay, why am I feeling this tightness? And as I massage it out, as I understand it, I mean, that's deconditioning, right? Yeah. Um, so 
I just want to encourage anyone listening to start noticing that. I mean, it's always in your body, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And always the first step is having awareness of it, like literally having awareness of what you experience on a deeper level is always, always, always the way to rise, the way to release what's holding you back and to step into your highest potential, like having awareness of, you know, every, like I was saying, like every experience that you do or for you, every story that you hear someone tell, it's like, can you look at this or listen to this or take this in with a level of deeper awareness, like actually listening, actually feeling how your body received that story or received that experience and always being curious and open to like, what are the layers that, you know, triggered me that triggered my childhood wounds? Where did I notice conditioning coming up in my body? Where am I able to honor that or honor myself more deeply? It's like literally when you start to live life in this way, everything becomes an enriching experience. Everything becomes a lesson, like a space for you to play and explore and kind of get, um, playful in that journey of deconditioning, get playful in that journey of, of honoring yourself and reparenting yourself in every like moment and every um, opportunity. Yeah. Releasing bitterness for me as a projector, my not self of must be nice to Mm -hmm. grow up doing that. Um, and leaning more into, okay, privilege is good. Privilege is what I want to give my kids and having awareness of your privilege and, um, and, letting that inform you and be aware of the world and how you do have more things than other people, et cetera. Um, you're not, I think it's bad to be blind of your privilege, but I also think it's not helpful to push away privilege because how else are you going to grow and succeed and have the abundance that you, that we all want for our lives. Yeah. And even in the same vein of that, like conditioning, um, in my childhood experience of skiing, my family had a cabin in Tahoe, which is 1000% privilege. And also being able to ski in general, 1000% privilege. I definitely recognize that in my life and I'm grateful for it. And during those experiences, we always, you know, you, there's neighbors that we had in Lake Tahoe that were billionaires. And there were people that had the nicest, nicest, nicest gear and skis and all the things. And as a kid, I always felt like my stuff was not nice. And I had duct tape on my gloves and like my fingers were freezing cold. And we had the same exact experience of like seeing rich people on the ski hill and being like, must be nice. And even as a kid, I really had so much conditioning that really came from just like the culture around me and the culture of my family of um, feeling like if you were rich and really wealthy, you were an asshole. And that was like, literally, if you saw someone in a super nice car, you would roll your eyes. And that has been something that I've been working on healing, especially with Jared too. Like even to this day, if we see like a super nice car roll in and someone has all this nice gear, it's like this ping of like jealousy or bitterness or conditioning when really it's like that jealousy is because you want that really nice gear or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And just noticing that that holds you back and how can you come to that with a new level of awareness and release it because it's really only yeah. ever hurting you and not the other person that you are portraying that jealousy at. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's so, I, I just love this topic. I think it's so fascinating. Um, and how it's always must be nice, must be nice. And yeah. that must be nice feeling is, um, a low expression. It's not yeah. self and also, yeah. and it's conditioning and also, com- uh, commiserating, I think is a big thing that we do, especially on social media mm. where it's, it's, you know, um, like, let's band together and like F those people or F that thing, or let's not want this, or this is just who I am. Um, there's a lot of commiserating that happens, I think in our conditioning and in our desire to want to connect and be like-minded and feel seen and feel, um, validated. And a lot of times that's commiserating and latching onto and identifying with your conditioning versus noticing um, where it might be holding you back and releasing that conditioning. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing that's been coming up for me in the last few days, and especially today, like there's like a strong message that keeps coming through, which is, and it, it honestly, of course, we're talking about reparenting and parenting today um, is that there's enough space for you. Like Mm. there is enough space. There's enough space for you, like in anything that you're doing. Um, You know, in in this example of, of skiing and snowboarding and, and how you would go home and let Jared keep going and, um, or go back to your hotel um, and stop and let yourself rest. Like there's enough space for your needs there's enough space for what you need to process. There's enough space for what you want and desire. There's enough space for your wisdom and your insight and your guidance on the world. Like there is enough space for you. And I think that we all have this, um, this inclination to feel like there's not. Yeah. Like there's not enough space for me to process these emotions that I have. Um, they're inconvenient or there's not enough space for me to say what I, I need because it'll be inconvenient to them and that maybe that's not what they need. So I should just do whatever, what's best for the group. Um, there is. And, and also in, you know, a material way, like a lot of times I think we have the inclination, like, oh, there's a lot of people already, doing this. There's not enough space for me. Or there's a lot of people um, teaching this or learning this or creating this business or whatever. Um, And so I'm not needed. There's just not enough space. And really there is the the infinite um, potential around you at all times. It's infinite. Yeah. Infinite. There's so much space. So really knowing that you're here to take up space. You are. That's why you're here. Mm. And really understanding like, okay, well, if I'm here to take up space, how do I want to take it up? How do I want to? Um, and that's up to you. Yeah. Right? If you're feeling un- not included in life or in the people around you's lives, include yourself in your own life. Right? Like take up space in your own life. Um and give yourself the permission to feel what you're feeling, do what you're feeling called to do, to listen to your authority and to include yourself in your own life. And I think that that comes in so well with reparenting of, you know, allowing yourself to like reparent yourself with taking up space. Like when yes. you feel that emotion, 
allow yourself to feel it when you feel like I I want to rest right now, but not everybody else does. Allow yourself to take up that space and say, I'm going to leave and like keep going or I'm going to the lodge for a bit and keep going. Um, Allowing that permission, I think, is so important. Um, And with parenting, allow your kids to take up space. Yeah. Um, There's room. Even if you have five kids or more, there's room for each of them to take up space without your whole family exploding. It's not going to explode because there's so much space. There really, really is. And you don't have to, as a parent, you don't have to be the person that holds all of their, all of their space. Yeah. You don't have to be, you're, you don't have to be that container for them um, because you're going to force them to play small. They can take up space and they can hold their own if you allow them to. Um, and of course, there's limits to that, right? Safety is important you're you're here as a parent to keep your kids safe um and but there is room for all the emotions all the needs all the um the truth Mm. that is within us and within your kids and within everyone so yeah yeah that's a big thing that's been kind of coming through my body today for some reason that is powerful i am here for that message like you are here to take up space. Like I think that so many of us that have this like people pleasing tendency, so many of us that have this tendency to want to play small, that's really a message that we need to hear is like, there's space for you. And not only are you allowed to take up space, like you're here to do that and to, to not feel bad about that. That's definitely another thing that I can really always work on with reparenting is to allow myself to have needs, to allow myself to voice what I'm wanting to voice or to even just, you know, experience the emotions that I'm wanting to experience. I think that that is so potent and so powerful. Yeah. I think that fear keeps us from playing big for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And from taking up space, um, especially in this like material world of feeling like I want to do this thing, but it's expensive Yeah. or I want to do this, but I just don't have the funds right now. Mm -hmm. And that fear, those limiting beliefs, if your authority is saying, I want this, like this is right for me. And then we let fear come in and, and derail us or um, override our truth. It is this fear of, of taking up space and um, letting this new thing or this new venture or whatever, this new house or whatever it is um, be too, too big for you. And so Mm -hmm. it's easier and less scary to just stay where I'm at right now. And so I just want to encourage you to look at where you are afraid to take up space in your own life. doesn't mean that you have to go like, you know, invest thousands of dollars in something. It doesn't mean that you have to go like, you know, jump off a cliff right now. It's just looking at, okay, where (laughs) is my tendency to play small and to take up less space? Is it with my emotions? Is it in my relationship? Is it with um, feeling included or or feeling like I don't belong? Is it feeling that my needs aren't important? Um, Like, where do you feel afraid to take up space? Mm, I love that. It reminds me of, I remember when I was learning in college about like breathing and the body and things like that. Um, I remember learning about this study where Americans on average, when we breathe in, our rib cage only expands like less than 
an inch, like, you know, a quarter of an inch or something like that. And they did a study where in other countries and other cultures, um, measuring people's rib cage when they breathed. And like in Italy, for example, their ridge, their rib cage expanded every time they took a breath by like, it was like three inches or something. So literally our conditioned culture in our country has taught us that even when we're breathing, we are playing small. We are afraid to take up space. And in other cultures and other countries where it's really like you're encouraged to be more loud. You're encouraged to talk about your emotions. You're encouraged to sing and to cry and all those things publicly in those cultures. Literally, when people would breathe, they would literally take up more space. And that really stuck with me. And I think, you know, in that vein, like if you're wanting to practice reparenting, taking up space, take some deep breaths and let your body expand and let yourself physically take up space. And that is kind of like reprogramming every cell in your body to know that it is safe to be that way, that you are literally meant to expand and contract in every moment that you are alive and breathing. Yeah. One practice that I love to do that helps me to take up more space is um, whenever I'm like singing or dancing in the car and I pull up next to someone and they like, I feel like, this tendency to be like, oh, okay, let me just not, and then wait for the light to turn green, and then I'll resume, um, <laughs> is to like channel my inner Cameron Diaz from like, I don't know, any of those like 2000s. Charlie's movies. Angels. Charlie's Angels. When she where does she's the just dancing. Dance. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's a few movies where like she just dances in the street. She doesn't give a F who's looking at her or anything. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, fuck that. Like, that is my vibe. Like, let them watch me. Let them see how stupid I look. Let them laugh and talk about it later. Let whatever. Like, I can take up this space. It's my fucking car. It's my music. It's my, like, I, this is my space. Like, why can't I take this up and let people see me being an idiot? Um, It doesn't matter. Yeah. And really, like, that's a really good isolated place to to kind of energetically let yourself and honestly it expands to so many different areas when I'm with Brian's family and we're watching a movie and like I want to cry like instead of being like no like I just will um like it expands to so many different places Mm -hmm. and so I think that that's maybe a fun place that we all have probably been I love it. And I love that, like, in these examples that we're talking about, the deeper themes here really are being vulnerable, like allowing yourself to be seen. Um, There's this theme of, like, the flow of abundance versus scarcity. And, you know, all of these themes are powerful, right? Of course, there are going to be many deep places in our life where we have either conditioning around this or work to do or awareness to develop. And so, doing that and going on that journey can just be so healing, right? These like little, like we're talking about these like little silly moments in your life, dancing in your car, whatever, use that as your school to practice empowerment, to practice awareness and authenticity, to practice reparenting yourself and nurturing yourself the way that you wish the the adults did around you when you were a kid. So I love that. And I'm a big fan of dancing and singing in my car. Always have been, always will be. I think that's like a a South Node and Leo thing that we have in common there. Um, But okay, we wanted to 
get to some of your parenting human design questions that we took on Instagram. And as we mentioned before, we love hearing your experiences, your lived experiences of applying human design with your kids, in your family. It's just so inspiring for us to see the way that these things actually play out. So thank you for sending in your questions and thank you for sharing um, your vulnerability and taking up space in this conversation so that we can all learn from you. Um, And one of the first questions that I want to ask was someone's asked how do we explain to teachers or caregivers what our child's design is and how to honor it and I think this is a super important question because so many of us are wanting to start integrating human design into our schools and you know it's not something that we're necessarily in quotes allowed to do and this is something that we think about a lot how do we how do we take away the separation between these two worlds of like the woo-woo human design world where we're all just totally vibing on this wisdom and like in it together. And then this like real world, right? Where people are not um, accepting of these concepts. So I think that the most important thing that you can do to have your teachers and caregivers understand your kid's design is first of all, giving yourself permission as their parent to believe in their design, to accept their design, and to accept that these things really work for you and are meaningful and true for you. So I think it starts with you giving yourself permission. Whereas if you shy away from that, like, okay, human design is teaching me that my kid is a generator, for example. And so, you know, they need to respond to things with a yes or no question. If you just abandon that thing that is true for you because you are now in the face of, you know, teachers at a school or whatever, um, that's really going to be like the foundation of not being able to apply your kid's design. So the first thing is embracing it in yourself, knowing it's true for you, and then navigating, do I want to actually share that this is human design and share that this is, you know, why it works for me? Or do I want to communicate it in some other more open-ended way? Like you are totally empowered to tell your teacher, you know, I noticed that my son or daughter, they really can make great decisions if you propose them one thing at a time. You saying that is not woo-woo or crazy at all, right? You can say, this is something that we've practiced at home. It's really helpful and meaningful, and I'd like to share it with you. And also, you can empower your child to know, okay, if you're trying to decide between coloring or playing with these toys, put your body in front of the crayons. Do you want to do that? Do you have energy to do that? Okay, no, put your body in front of the toys. Do you have energy to play? So you can empower your kids, even from a really young age, how to start navigating their design and how to feel confident in doing that, even at school. And it's great because even when kids are a really young age, they're really going to resonate with these um, strategies that are you know, associated with their energy type. Unless, of course, they're a manifester, then that might take a little bit more practice to help them inform. But if you're doing that from a young age, even manifester kids can really embrace that and bring that into their schooling. Yes, I love all of those tips. I feel like it's taking up space once again. Yeah. Um, and I love all these questions that have come in. Um, one question is, how can we prevent conditioning as much as possible with our kids? And um, there's a lot that you can do, but also there's only so much you can do. Um, so the first thing is to really focus on your yourself, focus on your own design, really understanding your gifts, um, your type, your authority, and what energetic alignment is for you. Um, when you really understand your own design, you're going to be 
making decisions and operating in a way that is energetically correct for you, where you have less resistance in your life. And that echoes out into your children's lives. Um, you are, are able to come from this place of alignment with all of the ways that you're teaching them and helping them and holding space for them. So start with yourself. That's the biggest place. And then it's really understanding their design and um, what the best way their energy operates and helping them to lean into their strategy and authority, helping them with their diet. That's a big one. Um, And really understanding, okay, they have an open G center so or an undefined spleen um, or they have emotional authority and I don't or vice versa. All of these different dynamics that you can look at within your charts and hold space for that, basically. The more awareness that you have, the least likely you are to condition them in these major places that we've all growing up without human design have been conditioned. So honestly, just having awareness of their design and your design, you're already 10 steps ahead from where you came from. Um, And the conditioning that you are releasing in your life is healing your your lineage. So um, yeah. And I mean, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, great job. Yeah. (laughs) You're doing a great job. Yeah. And I feel like it can be helpful to not try to have the intention. How do I prevent conditioning? Like that can be an unhelpful intention. Instead, how can I promote self-trust in my child? How can I promote authenticity in my child? And human design can be such an empowering tool set or framework. But I think that the most important thing is that human design is second, maybe like on the back burner. And what's on the front burner is you teaching your child to trust themselves, teaching them to listen to their body and to be able to communicate that. And human design can just be this like supporting role. We never want it to be, you know, something that feels dogmatic, like you have to apply this. Like mostly this is just so that we can allow this awareness for differences and allow this awareness for acceptance and have some framework that is really helpful, but it's always going to be the most important to just prioritize that authenticity, that trust, being able to communicate that, you know, if, if, even if your, you know, human design is saying one thing, if your kid is saying, no, this is what really feels right for me, trust them. And I think that that's something that you can do. That's really supportive. And in this same vein, um, someone asked a question, what are your thoughts on reading into human design charts before a child is seven? Are their auras too fluid or conditioned? And we definitely believe that reading your kid's human design chart when they're a really young age can be so super helpful. So as we've mentioned, the things that can really support them, helping them or just holding space for them to eat by their diet is so helpful while they are growing and while their brain is developing. And once again, this is something that we would want, we would encourage you to let your kid take the lead on, but we notice a lot that kids naturally want to eat by their diet. So you can kind of set up the environment for that, hold the space for that, and then still let them take the lead there. But that is something that's gonna be supportive for your kid, even from a super young age. Um, Also, knowing your kid's authority, that is something that you can teach them from, you know, the time that they're able to talk 
talk, you can start helping them use their authority and, and presenting things in that way. Or if you had a kid that had emotional authority, for example, and they're trying to decide, you know, do I want to have my birthday party be like this or like that? Say, okay, well, why don't we sleep on it? And, you know, give them some time and then ask them, well, will it make you happy to have your birthday party like this? So you can hold space for that authority from a really young age. That's super helpful. And also just noticing or knowing all of the, the different tips about their energy type and the way that their strategy works, things like that. All of that will be super helpful. Also their profile. All of this is going to apply at a young age. The things that might not resonate the most are things like some of their gates or their channels or, you know, their cross of incarnation. These are things that you will actually see um, parts of in them. So it's helpful to know them anyways, but also knowing that that's something that they'll kind of grow into as they come into their own. Yeah. And um, honestly, leaning into and understanding holding space for their design from before they're seven um, can really help them to not have so much conditioning as they are developing and as they're they're growing. So we think it's really important. And another question in this same area was, how can I support an infant with their human design? And we would say, you know, lean into their diet. So even if their diet is, you know, let's say nervous touch, um, having them breastfeed in a, an environment that's really stimulating and where there's people talking or the TV's on or you're walking around um, while you're breastfeeding, if, if that's possible. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I've never breastfed, but um, breastfed, whatever. I don't know if that's how you said it, say that. But um, <laughs> and, you know, if if their diet, for example, is cold foods, um, trying to chill your breast milk first might be something that's that's more beneficial for your your baby. So you can play around with any of the diets with um, an infant. And then also we would say, look at their centers. If they have an undefined G center, for example, or a defined G center, um, you know, really tuning into how they're responding in different environments if if it's undefined and making sure that environments feel good. And if they are reacting poorly at a restaurant or, um, you know, somebody coming into the room at your house, um, shift things. So that way it's like trust your baby, basically. Um, same thing with the undefined spleen and undefined ajna um, and head center. Really uh, learning what that means. And, you know, we have episodes on all of that. We also have a lot of resources to teach you what each of those mean, but that can be really beneficial in supporting your infant. So of course you're not going to, you know, be asking your projector infant, like what's fascinating. Let me see. Um, <laughs> but there's ways that you can support their design for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, a question that I really thought was funny since Shayna and I are both two fours is kids with a two in their profile. How do we support or teach our kids that they don't know everything that young? <laughs> and we thought this was hilarious with us both having this two line um, because when you have a two in your profile, um, you are someone who is a natural at the certain things that just kind of come naturally to you. You really get them. You pick things up quickly. And maybe the best way for you to really 
solidify information that you're learning is through teaching as a two line. So if you had a kid who has a two in their profile, it can be supportive for you to actually teach them a new task by them teaching you. So you kind of set up the space, like, okay, what do you know about this math problem? And you know, have you know, showing them how to do it and then having them model it back to you. That can be a really supportive way for them to learn. Um, but of course, you know, all of these things in human design, it's so important that we take it with a grain of salt. It's not saying that a two doesn't have anything to learn and that they're just a natural at everything. Of course, they still need to learn things. And actually, one of the most beneficial things that you can do as a parent to a kid with a two line in their profile is to help them see the things that do come really naturally to them and then to help support them in getting education in that thing. Help them really hone that talent, hone that skill, hone that creative ability. That can be so beneficial for them. And your part as a parent is actually in helping them see what they're good at because twos have a blind spot when it comes to seeing their natural talents. So you shining that light on them and then supporting them to have that um education in that area can be so powerful for them. Whereas, you know, being a three line for a kid with a three line, the most important thing is that you're letting them learn through experience and discovery. And when they make, you know, a mistake, you're really reframing that as a lesson learned and promoting them to share with you the lesson that they learned. Whereas a two line, it's like you're promoting them to share with you what it is they're learning as if they're teaching it to you. Yeah. And also, I just want to say that, you know, your kids with a two line, like if it's not harming them in any way, like let them know everything um, le like let them um, because their greatest insight is going to come from what they already feel they know. Yeah. And so, um, you know, if you're feeling like you don't know everything, that kind of energy, is that coming from your own conditioning yeah. um, or your not self as a parent? Um, I'm not saying that it is, but checking in yeah. with that and being honest, like, oh, is this something that I'm actually needing to teach them and that they need to know? Like, they don't know everything here because this is really important that they know this. Or is this something that I can just trust them and empower them to really let their own genius come through without having to rationalize and explain why they know it and prove that they know it and all of that. Yeah. Um, and because, in that, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, because as a, as a two line, I feel like some of my greatest um, insight and uh, personal self insight are from the things that I can't explain why yeah. I know it's just like that just came to me. Yeah. Um, and so and the nurturing that side. The most supportive thing you can do as a parent with a two-line kid is to say like, yeah, there's certain things that you can just say like, I'm just a natural at this. I don't need to explain it. I don't need to say where I learned it. Um, that's helpful for a two-line. And also being a parent of a two-line, um, not forcing them to try new things if, they're, if they are like, no, I know that I'm good on that. I know that I'm already not going to like it. Um, letting them explore with that and trusting that that feeling that they have, because oftentimes a two line can know they sort of can project like I know how this is going to play out before it happens. And so I don't even need to try it. Um, I don't even need to troubleshoot it. Uh, being supportive of that and, and being expansive and open and accepting there can be so deeply supportive um, and kind of in the same vein. Another question that I wanted to answer was someone said, any advice for, for a solo projector mom parenting twin projector teenagers? First of all, whoa, I love that family dynamic. How cool that you have twin projector teenagers and that you're a projector mom. I'm into that. Um, second of all, 
what I really wanted to say with this question was about teenagers. So I think it is the most beneficial thing that you can do for raising teenagers to treat them like they already are someone who knows who they are, because in a lot of ways they do. And the conditioning can be doubting themselves, questioning themselves. They might actually have a really natural understanding or inclination of what's right for them. And then everyone around them is telling them, no, you don't. You don't know who you are because you're a teenager. You don't know what you're wanting to do because you can't trust yourself. You don't know what you want to do because it sounds crazy to me. And I I think that you should do this, you know, X, Y, Z, that makes sense to me. So oftentimes teenagers are kind of like getting rocked because adults are derailing them. Adults are holding them back from just listening to what feels natural for them. And a big part of that, I think, is our Western school system, the way that we kind of force every child, every teenager to really be standardized and to learn kind of a standardized education. And I do think it's really important for kids to have like a well-rounded education. But I also think by the time you're a teenager, you have a, a lot of insight already about what you like and what you're good at. And if you are encouraged to kind of take on those things with, you know, um, full support of the people around you, I think that teenagers would really thrive. Like I believe that it could be really beneficial once you're in high school or even the second half of high school, if you have a really clear understanding of what you're wanting to do, what you're wanting to learn more of, like let those kids do that, let them fly, let them soar and, um, try to really give them some credit or some responsibility for their own life. And I think often they will rise to the occasion. Yeah. And I think that, you know, understanding their profile can be something that's really beneficial too with teenagers. Um, understanding that, you know, if they're a three, five, for example, or if they have a three in their profile at all, they might just be throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. And a lot of times we say, oh, you're just going through a phase. Like you're just going through, um, you know, hormonal changes or, but a lot of times I've noticed, especially with younger teenagers, like 13, 14, um, that they're just trying to, they are trying to figure out who they are. And so they're throwing something against the wall and saying like, well, I'm actually really into this and great. Like, that's amazing. And then they'll see if that's what they like or what they don't like and what they learn there. And, um, you know, trying to prevent your kids from learning lessons um, or trying to give them the lessons that you think they need to learn. All of that is disempowering them to um, be their own authority. And so, you know, kind of what you were saying, Dana, of just letting your teenager be their own authority. And, you know, of course, there's limits to that with safety and their brains are still developing, of course, right? But um, supporting them and honoring their truth by having a space that's open enough for them to share, you know, if with this question of projector twins, asking for their insight, asking for what they see, um, asking for how things could be made more efficient, um, especially in the areas that they're already fascinated in, giving them meaningful compliments, giving them time to um, rest if they need to and to be energized and super into something if they're really fascinated with it. Um, letting them teach you all of those things can be really, really supportive. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, and, I love I love teenagers, honestly. Like yeah. I wish with my baby that we can just have an infant <laughs> and then like blink and then pass like two <laughs> through five. Um because I love teenagers. I'm t- I'm really afraid for when I have a toddler. Um <laughs> even though I know that it's gonna be one of the biggest lesson givers of my life. Mm-hmm. Um and but I'm deeply afraid. <laughs> But you did say that you wanted twins. And I know. you do have twins that is in like your family genes. So it is possible for you. And we get a lot of questions about twins. Um, another yeah. person asked about having identical twins. They're born the exact same minute. So like, how does their human design work? And I think that this is a fascinating place to really look at human design because um, two twins that have the same chart and the same everything in their design, the same gates, the same profile, everything is the exact same. They're still going to have two separate souls, right? Two separate magnetic monopoles that are pulling them to their unique life because they are two separate people. So a lot of times we'll see twins that um, their magnetic monopoles are drawing them, attracting them to very different interests, but they are doing those interests in the same way with the same set of energetic gifts and qualities. So on paper, they can seem really, really different, but then actually you see how they're doing all of the same things in the same way, their energy, right? This invisible force that's animating them is operating in the same way. So it is kind of like this subtle energetic realm where they are so, so similar, but they might have very different interests. And another thing that I really noticed with twins is their conditioning um, can make them feel like, we don't want to be the same. So they intentionally will try to be different and they'll try to really have extremely different, um, you know, behaviors and because they want to differentiate themselves. So I think that some of that differences that you can see can be the conditioning. And some of it, of course, is just because they are their own unique souls that are designed to have their unique life path, even though they have so many of the same energetic qualities. Yeah. And also their conditioning um, in school with their friends um, in, you know, situations that or experiences they have where, um, you know, one person perceived it this way and the other person had bitterness or um, not self come up or felt misunderstood. There's there's so many different factors with conditioning and um that can cause two people with the exact same chart to be extremely different. So it's not that if you have the same chart that you're the same person at all. It's that you have the same gifts and whatever it is you're working on, whatever it is that you are um, creating and building in life or doing in life, you're going to be, if you're deconditioning, you're going to be using these these gifts and helping the world using this life purpose in that area with these people with this per this thing you're doing mm-hmm. yeah i love that yeah and something that you were saying shana that i thought was really powerful is you know as a parent you're wanting to really understand your child and human design can be such a powerful tool for that but it's always going to be your discernment to apply human design as much as possible, right? It's not all or nothing. Like with a manifester child or a manifester teenager, it's really important to let them be independent as much as possible. So it's your discernment to say what is safe for them, what is healthy for them, um, but it is a balance of really letting them be their own unique individual from a young age, empowering them to be their own authority, using these tools because 
you've experimented with them and you see how helpful or meaningful they are. But I think it's really important to say that you're always taking the lead from like, is this meaningful? Is this helpful for my child? And that's one of the reasons why it's so inspiring for us to get to meet parents is because we love asking that question. Like, okay, you told your, you know, projector child, you asked them for their insight. How did they respond? And we love hearing the real life examples of how kids respond to their parent treating them um in alignment with their authenticity. Like we love hearing examples of parents who have several different kids and one's a projector and one's a man gen and allowing those differences to be there. We love hearing how kids respond to it and whether it really feels good to them and it is helpful for them or not. And in almost every instance, we've always heard cases of where it is so helpful, so freeing, so liberating. It creates so much more harmony with these differences in one household. So we always want to, of course, lead with the fact that human design is an experiment. We encourage you to experiment with it and then see for yourself, how does this feel for me as a parent? How is my child responding to this? You know, it's your job to always see what is helpful, what is not helpful, what is possible for you to uh, implement at this time and what is not. Yeah. And anywhere that you are feeling um, that you're having a challenge with your your kids or with parenting in general, um, it always comes back to leaning into your own design and your own understanding of your strategy and authority. Because, you know, so a, a few of the questions that we've had is, is um, you know, teenagers and how to support them, how to keep the a strong bond with them if they're pulling away or finding balance between my non-sacral children's needs and my um, children with sacral energy. And um, anywhere that you're having trouble finding balance or you feel your child is pulling away and, um, you know, wants nothing to do with you right now, lean into your own design. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to, A, get you in the right place at the right time to find the solution if you're having a problem like, oh, well, this kid wants to stay home and this kid wants to go out and I can't be in two places at once. Like, how can I, you know, I need the solution. Use your strategy and authority. It's going to help those solutions come to fruition. You're going to increase your magnetism to attract what is needed for your family. Um, And then also, you know, with teenagers wanting to pull away and wanting nothing to do with you, you focusing on yourself and getting in your own alignment and leading by example, regardless of your type, it's going to be so much more beneficial and bonding for you to be living in authentic alignment um, that your teenager is going to be seeing. And even if they're still like, no, I don't want to sit with you, mom, you're not cool. (laughs) um, That's okay. Because subconsciously, or even just deep down, they can see how vibrant and authentic and real you are. And when they need advice, they're going to come to you for that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It's literally like, as you're a parent, always keeping yourself, your inner child as one of the kids that you're parenting, right? Reparenting yourself. Like your kids are so important. Absolutely. But you are important. You are the one that's holding this uh, container for your family. And if your container is not being nurtured and loved, 
guess what? No one else is either. So it's literally this cliche comment of like, if the plane is going down, you put the mask on yourself first before helping your kid. That's how human design is. That's how life is in general. If you're really wanting to help your kids, it's always about starting with yourself. And in the same vein, I just wanted to say, as a parent, when you are using your authority, making a decision, let's say, for example, do I want to quit my job? This is a huge decision that can have, you know, implications on your entire family with your finances, whatever. It's still so important for you to say, to make that decision from your own perspective. Like if you had emotional authority, will this make me happy? Not my family, not my partner, not my kids. Um, It's so important to start with yourself and your own authenticity and to trust that you doing that will make everything else that affects your family so much easier and more aligned. So just a huge um, shout out to reparent yourself, just a huge shout out to give yourself that permission and to know like we love meeting parents that are so focused on their kids. It's beautiful to see, but we always want to say like, why don't we do your human design reading first and give yourself that love that you're wanting to give to your kids, you giving that to yourself first, reparenting first, it's just going to set such a beautiful, healthy, fertile foundation for everything else that you're wanting to implement in your life as a parent. Yeah. Once again, it's okay to take up space. Yes. You must. You must. You must. Um, and so, yeah, we honestly, I've been so excited by seeing all the different people come in um, or that are interested in this training that want to use human design with helping kids and with um, integrating it into schooling and parenting. And I'm just really excited for that next generation of children um, that are growing up with being honored and having their energy honored and knowing who they are from a young age. I'm just so excited to see it all. So um, we love you all. And we are so excited for this new chapter. We're so excited to see how you take up space in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, let us know what's come up for you in reparenting and in deconditioning. We, I feel like we're all in the same wavelength and we're just so grateful. So as always, you can connect with us on our website, daylunalife.com, on Instagram at dayluna. And we just love you. We're excited for all the space, all the room, and to see how you fill it.